Uh, children's church can be dismissed. Everyone else, if you want to open your Bible this morning with me to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Y'all hear me okay? Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 11. Now, before I get started this morning, let's go ahead and let you know that by no means am I a Old Testament scholar. And I was homeschooled, so... I'm probably going to pronounce some of these names wrong. I might stumble a little bit. If so, please forgive me. My grammar is not proper, but it's okay. God can use it. <laughs> there you go. First Samuel chapter 11. Now, before we get started, just to kind of fill you in, let you know where we're at in Bible history. Who knows? Uh, everyone in here pretty much know who King Saul was. Raise your hand. You know? Okay, if you don't know, all right, King Saul was the first king of Israel, okay? Israel had judges. They didn't have a king over them. Israel requested that they wanted one king to rule over them. And so God granted them what they wanted. He chose a man named Saul. Now, Saul was a very tall, handsome, strong man. Saul eventually... Uh, turned evil and wicked. But he didn't start out that way. Saul started out on a good path. Uh, God was actually working through Saul at a younger age. And so when Samuel, which was God's prophet at the time, he announced that the one that God had chosen to be king over Israel would be this man named Saul. Now, Samuel anointed Saul up to this point and he actually already announced it to Israel that this is the man who God has chosen but the coronation has not taken place so it's basically it wasn't legal yet so everything kind of returned back to normal Saul and the people go back to their homeland Saul was a type of farmer at the time so he goes back to his home and was doing his duties as being a farmer so this is where we're at in Bible history. Everybody understand where we're at? Okay, I'm trying to be clear because Lane told me that I confused her. And there's too many names, so I'm trying to make it clear for you. So this is where we're at in Bible history. Okay, so everyone goes back to their homeland. And now here we are in chapter 11. It says, And then Nahash, or Nash, however you want to pronounce it, the Ammonite came and he encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. Now, I want to stop there and explain to you something. Nahash was a king of the Ammonites. He was a very prideful, wicked king. And he's coming against these people, uh, this land or town, city, of Jabesh Gilead. Now, Jabesh Gilead was actually Israel's territory, but it was a little bit closer to the Ammonites' territory, just out of their reach. Now, this Ammonite king, Nahash, comes and he encamps. Okay, that encamp means he sets up and he's ready to attack this city. He's going to destroy the men. Now, 
the reason, I looked this up, and the reason why he's coming after this particular place is that if you look actually in Jewish history, outside of the Bible, uh, up to this point, King Nahash has conquered the tribal lands of um, Gad and of Reuben. And some of the men from them cities had kind of fleed and left and came to Jabesh Gilead. You understand where we're at now? So now you understand why this king is pursuing them. Not only that, uh, Jabesh Gilead had um, previously, years before, had refused to fight in battle with the rest of all of Israel. And so God had kind of punished them for that, and their city and their town had been dwindling down. There's been a lot of things coming against them. And so their relationship with the rest of Israel was strained, to say the least. So this wicked king comes now, and he's setting up to encamp around them and to attack them. Now, their past has come to their front door now. And it's come to haunt them. So they have the enemy outside ready to destroy them, ready to attack them. And so the men, they take things into their own hands. And they decide, well, we're going to go out and we're going to see if we can't compromise with the enemy. Before he destroys us, completely wipes us out, let's go out and see if we can make a deal with him. So he goes out, the men of Jabesh go out to this wicked king Nahash and they ask make a covenant with us and we will serve you now remember they're actually supposed to be under the newly appointed king King Saul and under his command but they don't go to him why because the relationship's been strained with Israel so they decide well it might be easier for us we're about to get attacked okay our lives are on the line it might be easier for us to just plead with this king you know, and let's compromise with him, and let's see if we can just serve him and and become prisoners of him, and maybe he won't kill us. Okay, a lot of times that's what we do. It's easier, right, to compromise with the enemy instead of going seeking help with God's people.
Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news. And his anger was greatly aroused. Now wait a second. Saul hears the news of what the enemy's doing, and it says the Spirit of God moves upon Saul. Okay? At that point, we can say he's filled with the Spirit. Now, what's your initial thought when you say somebody's moved or filled with the Spirit? What do you think happens? Joy, right? Normally, people are joyful, peace, love, hope. Everybody's celebrating, right? Is that what it says here? No. What does it say happens when the Spirit of God moves upon Saul? It says, when he heard the news, his anger was greatly aroused. He got mad. And you know what he did? He got so mad that he sent out a stern warning to the rest of Israel, and he warned them, if you don't do something, if we don't go to battle and do something now, it's coming on your doorstep next. He rallied 330,000 men to go and battle with him because he got mad. There's times when love, peace, joy, and all this, that's all good, but there's times when situations happen in our lives and the enemy's encamped in your when you need to get mad. The Bible says be angry. Don't sin, but be angry. You remember, even Jesus himself got angry. Jesus went in to the temple, and he flipped tables over and says he was angry. He went out, he made a whip. He came back and drove out up to 5,000 people because he was angry what the enemy was doing to God's people. There's a time when us as the church of God, we've got to stop sitting back and weeping and crying and telling people we're going to pray for you and all that in that situation, yet we do nothing. We need to get mad, and we need to fight back. The story goes on that Saul gathered 330,000 men because he was angry. He was angry because the Spirit of God had moved him so deeply. The enemy was encroaching on God's people, and he wasn't going to sit back and take it. He wasn't going to sit back and watch his own kin, folks, lives be destroyed by the enemy. He takes 330,000 men back with him. They go back. You can read the story. They go back to the camp, and they destroy and win victory over the enemy soldiers. That's what happens when one man stands for God's word. That's what happened when one person says, enough is enough. Satan, you're not going to come in and destroy my lives or any of my friends or families. We're going to start to fight back. Amen? You might ask, I know that, you know, these things are a little bit different. We don't war with the sword and all of these things. So how do these kind of stories uh, relate to us today? Well, number one is just like the people of Jabesh, we have a real enemy. And he's encamped, make no mistake, he's encamped at your doorstep. He's waiting to come in and to attack you. Now, I know the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But make no mistake, just like this wicked king that represents Satan, he doesn't want to just kill you. He wants to enslave you. He wants to mar and maim you so that it brings disgrace all on the church of God. 
He wants sin to engrave so deeply into your soul that everyone sees what it's done and how it's destroyed you and the victory that he has in your life. He don't want to see vic- God's victory. Amen? He wants, to see, he wants everyone to see what he's done in your life. And that way, what is he, what's he doing? He's bringing shame on all of the church. And that's what he wants to do. Just like them, that relates to us today spiritually. That's what he wants to do. Second thing, how it relates to us, is sadly, many of us, just like the people of Jabesh, many of us, our actions and our decisions have put strain on our relationship with God, maybe even with his people. And when the enemy comes to our door and attacks us, Instead of going and seeking help and refuge in God and his people, we often try to make a compromise. Say, I'll compromise with you. If you just just lay off a little bit, quit attacking me, I'll go out and I'll compromise with you. Just like they did. The first thing they did was they tried to compromise with the enemy. Make no mistake, the enemy will not negotiate on your terms. You try to negotiate with the Satan and the devil, what he's going to do is he's going to require more than you have want to offer. I promise you that. The third thing I want you to get out of this is I want you to understand that this fight had not yet entered to some of these people's lands. It wasn't necessarily even their fight or their family that was being attacked. But these people knew, along with Saul, that if they didn't do something then, then they were next. Their family was next. Let me tell you something. You might be here this morning, and you may the Satan may be laying off of you for this moment, but he's attacking a lot of people in the church of God today. There's marriages being attacked. Godly marriages that he's trying to destroy. There's families, there's children that he's ripping away. 70% of Christians, children who grow up and enter into the world, never come back to God, never come back to church. 70%. He is ripping our families apart. And it may not be yours, but I promise you, if you don't do something now, he's coming after yours next. We've got to get to a point in our lives where we just stop sitting around crying with our heads down and watch Satan destroy these families because he's coming to yours next. It may not be hidden to you now, but it will be coming to you. And then you're going to look up, it's going to be too late. We've got to put it into action now. I want you to think about something. For years around the world, there's been Christian persecution in other countries. And us as Americans have done nothing about it because it's not been on our territory. Well, guess what? It's on our territory now. It's in our leadership now. It's around us everywhere. They're trying to take away our freedoms. They're trying to take away our families, everything that we stand for. We can't sit back anymore and weep and cry and say, oh, well, this is maybe just God's will. It's time for us to get mad. It's time for us to do something about it and fight for what's worth fighting for. Amen? One man got mad and he rallied 330,000 people. I want to know which Christian in here is going to get sick and tired of Satan destroying these families and is going to stand up and rally everyone else with him. Because one man stands up, there's going to be others that back you, I promise you. 
And even if they don't, Jesus has got your back. Amen? Now I want to close with this. This week, Satan has attacked me and my family and my co-workers. This is probably the worst week that we've ever had in the Rangar gutter business. All right? Juan's not here, but he works for me. He dropped gutter off the roof into a swimming pool. Okay? Cost me about 250 bucks. Derek said some bad words. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I called him out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said some bad things about them in my mind. But I, I got to thinking about it. And as this week went, I did not want to preach. This was the worst week that I've had in a long time. I've been stressed out of my mind. I've been sick over everything. It's cost me money to go to work this week. I don't want to work, period, much less pay somebody to go to work. Everything that could go wrong has went wrong this week. Vehicles breaking down, everything. It's went wrong. Yesterday morning, I almost called Randall and to tell him, I make up, I was sick, whatever. I want to throw in the towel and say, I'm not preaching tomorrow. Somebody can take over, call Willie, call somebody else because I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the spiritual place to go up there and preach. I just want to give up. But something inside me yesterday as I tried to struggle with wrestling back and forth with myself of calling Randall or not and getting up and preaching, something inside me got mad and said, won't you think about something for a moment? Last month when you went to preach, you got sick and you couldn't preach and you had to call Randall. This month, Satan's attacking you again. He's trying to stop what God's doing in your life. And if you give up now, what's that going to show to the rest of your family, to your children, when times get hard and you're just willing to throw in the towel? Something inside me got me mad yesterday. When I read this passage, I said, I want to be like the early King Saul who got mad when God moved upon him and did something about it. So this is what I'm doing to fight back. I'm going to go up there even though I don't want to. I'm going to go up there even though everything went wrong and pretty much this week I feel like I don't have anything to praise about and I'm going to praise Jesus. That's the way I'm going to fight back. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to tell the devil, no matter what you throw against me, whatever weapon comes against me shall not prosper. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Stand with me this morning, please. God, I love you and I just pray that we would stand as your men and women and fight and, and, and be tired of what Satan is doing in our lives, Lord. I pray that we honor you, that we stand for you, that, that your Holy Spirit does provoke us to put to action our faith. Lord, I know that we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't war with the sword. We have something greater. We have you. We have your word, Lord. And we pray that we, I pray that we go to battle in prayer, that we put our faith into action, Lord, and that we stand for your word no matter what comes against us. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise the one who set me free 
those services tonight. Go home and enjoy your family. Uh, y'all be safe for the rest of the week. Um, I'll pray and y'all can be dismissed. Lord, we just um, thank you for giving us hope, Lord, even where we fail you, Lord, and where our flesh is weak. Lord, we know that you're strong. God, I pray that we stand for you, Lord, that you build a boldness in us to stand on your word. God, you always keep in the forefront of our minds the victory that you've already won in our lives, God. God, I love you. I pray for families around this town, around our state, and around this nation, Lord. And I pray for our leadership in this country, God. I pray that we as Christians stand for what's right. Lord, I love you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.